Hey everybody, welcome to episode 46 here on What About Therapy. I'm Enoch Fossum and I'm a certified mindfulness life coach. And I'm Austin Ivey and I'm certified in the basics of acceptance and commitment therapy and we're both going to school to be marriage and family therapists. In this episode, like you already know, we're talking about stranger things and we're going to relate that to therapy. So let's get right into it. Before we begin, before we say anything, there will be spoilers in this episode. Yes. For Stranger Things season four. So if you have not seen it, at least if you have not gone past episode three, at least. Yeah. No, we maybe four. I would say four to be safe. Yeah. yeah. I think that's yeah. Yep, four to be safe. If you have not gone past that point. I hate to say it, but this episode may not be for you until you finish that episode. Or if you don't care about Stranger Things, then obviously yeah. it if won't you, matter for you. If you're watching it now and you haven't got to that point, which I'm surprised if you haven't because, I mean, I binged it in a day, two days. But um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, it's we don't want to ruin anything for you. So go watch it and come back and listen to it because we're going to have an interesting discussion about the, well, Stranger Things in general, but more specifically season four. Yeah. Stranger Things season four is actually really freaky. It's crazy freaky. I was, I was blown away by how dark they went with it yeah. and how like, I don't know, almost evil in a way. Yeah, like, like possessive. Because like, they've they've done Straight just like up. scary with the previous seasons. Like the Demogorgon right. was just scary. Mm-hmm. The Mind Flayer was kind of like eerie because mm-hmm. it was like so, I don't know. And then season three, like the the Russians, that was kind of funny. <laughs> and then the weird monster was. It was scary, but this is the first season where it was like, it's, it's truly evil. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm still down for it. It is, it's hard to watch sometimes though. Yeah. It was actually really scary. My wife and I were like, all right, this is going to be a daytime show. Yep. (laughs) So we watch it during the day. (laughs) Yeah. It's once the sun goes down, it's a new girl only for any of my new girl (laughs) fans out there. Hey, maybe we'll do that in the future. There's some good, there's some good stuff with new girl. We could break down some relationship stuff. And some like some personality disorders on that. Have you ever seen New Girl? No, I think my wife tried to get me to watch it. I think we've talked about this before. And I just didn't. Not that I didn't find it like lame or it's, not funny. I just, just didn't get into it. I just didn't get into it. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. It, it, I before my um, like I met my wife, I'd I'd heard about it, just didn't watch it. And then it's her favorite show. So mm. I said, well, why not? And now we've watched it like four times. <laughs> so, whenever we're eating dinner together, we throw it on my laptop. So I'll have to give it a fair chance it's pretty funny there's a lot of like relationship problems with it and it's easy to diagnose like like or i guess related to couples therapy and things mm-hmm. like that or like personality disorders run rampant in that show so, <laughs> and cool. they're they're portrayed well but anyways anyway <laughs> um for anyone who hasn't seen stranger things this might be kind of confusing to you i guess we'll do our best to describe things but i guess this is more catered to those who have seen it you're probably listening to this because you Oh. Wow. Maybe you heard of that, but that was a dog. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> that was pretty intense. Yeah, that was... <laughs> just talking about Stranger Things, you're getting all <laughs> spooky. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting strange in here. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to do our best to just keep it in context where if you haven't seen it, you can still enjoy it, like this episode. But um, you might hear some words and names and you're like, what in the heck is going on? What is this weird yeah. stuff? So, sorry in advance. Yeah, essentially, Stranger Things is about a group of young kids in a small town and the town is apparently cursed, quote unquote, because a lot of sussy stuff start happening. <laughs> Paranormal <laughs> stuff, I guess. Yeah, inside of this little town. And it turns out there's an alternate universe called the Upside Down, 
and that's where some of the monsters live. Yeah, that's where down. all the antagonists and problems come from in this seemingly harmless town. And so season one through season four, it's just different variations of problems that stem from like the upside down, this alternate dimension that is the small town, but literally upside down in the way that it's dark, it's gloomy, it's everything's all... It's always thundery and lightning-y. Yeah, and and... it's like toxic environment. There's monsters there. Yeah. And the lightning's red and yeah. everything's gray and has like a dark tinge to it. So it's actually a pretty good allegory for um, mental health in general, I guess. It's kind of what drew us to it in the first place, that the upside down is like a reflection of of how like how good life can be on like on the on one side on the flip side it can be it's the same life or the same place but dark dreary and everything just has like a gray or black tint to it mm-hmm. it's just it's terrifying so people with depression i'm sure could relate to something like that but i guess that's not what we're going to get into today but there's allegories and metaphors analogies connections yeah. to mental health all across all the seasons of the show yeah so and if you think about it in several seasons, they do get stuck in the upside down, and when they are stuck in there for a long period of time, bad things start to happen to them. Mm-hmm. So you can think of that as, you know, when you spend too much time in your head, or in things like depression, anxiety, things like that, mm-hmm. then that's really when troubles start happening. Yeah. So, and they actually have awesome ways. Like in season four, okay, if you haven't seen season just four and you're gonna watch it, just stop here. <laughs> yeah. Because we're gonna start talking about it. But when Max is taken in the Upside Down, mm-hmm. um, she the way to get out of it is to anchor yourself with something you love. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's music. And so the song anchors her and opens up this portal to go back into her body and get out of the out, Upside Down. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness, baby. Yeah, and I love how they kind of foreshadow that by going to the... Um the institution and like back then institutions were still kind of a big thing. And, um, those had their pros and cons. We've talked about that in the past, but one of the the doctors there say that like one of the best ways to get through to people that are lost or seemingly are, have no progress is through music. And Mm -hmm. I've always been a big fan of music therapy and things like that. So it's cool how they tie that in, but it's more importantly anchoring to something that like you get out of your, yourself out of your mind you get out of the upside down through something that you care about through yeah. turning to your values that's kind of the way that, when i watched that episode it was like a couple of days ago when i finished it um i was i was kind of i like the idea of the fact that it was like turning to your values you're running towards your values something that you truly care about is bringing you out of the curse yeah so it's cool really cool stuff it's really deep so what we're gonna do here is we're gonna go through an article from verywellmind.com. They're awesome. Oh, yes. We've referenced them a ton. And it's called The Relationship Between PTSD and Shame. So we're going to relate PTSD and shame to season four of Stranger Things and see the parallels parallels between it and see what, I guess, what Stranger Things says we can do or those that have... You know, struggle with PTSD or struggle with shame, things that we can do to maybe get out of it, and if we don't, to see the repercussions and the harm that it can do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. we'll jump right in here to the article, and then we'll go back and forth from the article to the show. 
So it starts off by saying, following exposure to a traumatic event, people may experience a, vari a variety of emotions, such as fear, anxiety, sadness, anger, guilt, or shame. Although all of these emotions may be very distressing, shame can be a particularly difficult emotion to cope with after trauma. So much so that there is increasing evidence that the experience of shame is associated with the severity of post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD symptoms following a traumatic event. Okay, so we're mainly going to talk about three people. That is Chrissy. Fred? Fred, I think, is the nerdy newspaper guy. Yeah. yeah. So Chrissy, the cheerleader. Fred, the nerdy paper guy. And Maxine, or Max, the redhead who's friends with... Yeah. I mean, you know who Max did we, did we is. We see in season two. Yeah, season three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all three of those people have had or had very traumatic experiences in their life. So, well... With Chrissy. Chrissy, I think hers is more family trauma. Like when you, mm -hmm. when Vecna takes over her mind and she's floating in the trailer in that first episode, mm -hmm. she sees flashbacks of her parents um, like arguing. And that's right. That's we right. also see earlier in the episode, the first time we see Vecna, we see his feet. But <laughs> like um, it's in the bathroom stall when she right. is, um, it seems as though she's purging in the, in the form of an eating disorder. She probably has like um, bulimia or. Mm -hmm. Um, bulimia nervosa. I read about today and that today in one of my psychology classes, so I know a little bit more about it now. But it seems that she has some type of bulimia. She probably feels shame over that, like the fact that she's hiding this um, this eating disorder. So it's kind of like Chrissy's deal, but yeah. Right, and that's also why she went to what's his face drug dealer uh, Eddie Munson. Yeah, the Eddie. The, <laughs> the freak. <laughs> and he went. To, she went to Eddie to try and buy some drugs off. Wanted mm -hmm. some weed. And then at first, well, at first she wanted weed, and then she's like, well, do you have anything stronger? Because mm -hmm. she's trying to cope with, you know, whether that be an eating disorder, which is also a way to cope with trauma. It's, there's high there's high substance abuse rates between, like, in beating people with eating disorders. There's a really yeah. high substance abuse rate. Yeah. So she's using drugs to cope with her eating disorder, and she's using her eating disorder to cope with her family trauma that she's gone through. Mm -hmm. So that's Chrissy. Now, Fred... We see that Fred had a flashback, or Vecna was showing him what he went through, and he was in a really bad car crash. That's why he has a scar across his face. It's like from his nose, yeah, past yeah. his cheek. Yeah. So he got in a really bad car crash, and the people that he hit were killed. And maybe anyone else that was with him as well in the car. Yeah, there, I think there was a couple people, one person, but someone was killed. I can't remember yeah. how many. Yeah. Yep, someone was killed, and so... At first, the police officer starts to say that he's a murderer mm -hmm. and starts to get really dark that way. And then Fred hears the clock and he runs away or goes towards the clock. I don't know why they all go towards the clock yeah, in I don't the woods. Know. Who does that? But <laughs> horror movie. Anyway. Classic horror movie. <laughs> uh, he ends up on a road and he sees a burning car turned upside down and a guy's crawling out of the car on fire, dying and saying that like, it's his fault type of thing or what have you done or yeah just things like that so that was fred's traumatic event now max if you go back to season three with billy billy and the moms season three <laughs> <laughs> billy the the cougar hunter <laughs> yeah. uh. so billy the cougar hunter he he was killed at the very end by the big monster. The Mind Flare, yeah. That's yeah. What the official name. Yeah, the Mind Flare. 
monster thing. He was killed. And obviously, that was very traumatic for Max because they all watched it. And it mm -hmm. was, I mean, it wasn't a pretty sight. Yeah, it was a he terrifying massive, scene. Like, tentacle <laughs> yeah. arm thing into Billy's chest. And, yeah, terrifying scene. Yeah. Yeah, very traumatic. And uh, like Max was right there watching the whole thing. She screams yeah. Billy's name, and like even though they didn't have a good relationship, it was obviously still hard for her to watch. You know, right? So, I mean, <laughs> even Zuko said that was hard to watch. Yeah, he's heaving right here. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, but I mean, you put yourself in Max's situation too, and you think of someone that you don't like, who's a family member, and you watch them die. You watch them get killed. Like, you're still going to be just heartbroken. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you don't like that person. We see it all the time. Yeah. You know, you don't know what you have until it's gone type of thing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm re-watching season two with my wife right now, and um, we're towards the end because she's never seen it before. And um, we just, we're, ending, we're finishing season two, and Max is having a discussion with Lucas about... Um, about Billy and he kind of apologizes to Lucas for Billy's behavior and like is talking to him about it. She kind of opens up that he's actually not that bad and he's having a hard time with the move and being away from like his family like, or from like his, his home and um, kind of alludes to the fact that his dad is kind of a piece of work. And we see that later in yeah. the, in the episodes that his dad is abusive, like literally physically, emotionally, everything. Um, the worst kind of parent. And I guess that's a whole different discussion on that, I guess. Yeah. But we can see why Max has such a hard time with it because deep down she really did care for him. She just um, had a bad relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And um, they are step uh, step siblings. Step siblings. Yeah. So that you know adds another layer of intense emotions and hard things to deal with. Exactly. Yeah. And um, but I guess it just kind of goes along what you were saying that uh, even though she didn't like him very much seeing that happen, that traumatic event happen to someone that was part of her life and that she did have a connection with whether she liked it or not, um, deeply affected her. And that shows even how relationships like that can still have long-term effects on someone's mental health and that can deeply affect them even when it's not like a, a deeply loved person or really someone you're really close with. It can be, PTSD can be set off so easily. I guess that's what I'm trying mm -hmm. to allude to, especially mm -hmm. when someone's so young like that. Like you kind of like, it's all depiction, of course, right? But um, yeah, it's prevalent in, in young kids. Young kids can get PTSD really easily. But yeah, Max's um, PTSD is um, when she goes to, when Vecna comes to her, Billy shows up and yeah, um, like she's getting almost chastised, I guess, by him. And, yeah, because um, she, she was at Billy's grave yeah. reading him a note saying how she actually loved him. Yeah, exactly. And wished yeah, that's what she could have yeah. saved him. And then Billy, when Vecna shows, you know, appears to be Billy, he's like, you wanted me dead. You hated me. You really didn't love me. Mm -hmm. You were glad I died and all that stuff. Just kind of playing into all the things that like she's probably beating herself up anyways. And yeah. I guess that's kind of the theme that we're going to get to with all these characters that yeah. Vecna is just using their shame against them. Yeah. And I guess we can go forward a little bit with the article here and distinguish between what shame is specifically. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the article does a really good job of telling us and teaching us what shame is versus guilt, because that might those two things might be easily can confused, I guess. And it it was um, it was enlightening to me to to learn the difference. And uh, so I'm just going to read straight from the article here. It says shame is an emotion that occurs when you evaluate or judge yourself in a negative light. 
For example, you might experience shame if you view yourself as worthless, weak, bad, or useless. And then guilt occurs when you evaluate a behavior or an action as negative. For example, if you borrow money from someone and then fail to pay it back, you might experience guilt because you did something wrong and it can be perceived as wrong or inconsiderate. And Enoch pointed this out to me before we started recording the article. I guess it puts it even in italics that shame is what happens when we evaluate or judge ourselves. Like our kind of our behavior, like our, not our behaviors, but like our personalities and who we are as a person, like as a whole. And guilt is when we, is what, what we feel when we evaluate uh, a behavior or a thing that we've done more specifically. So mm-hmm. instead of ourselves as a whole, we just feel guilt over a specific action that we took. And shame is more of a unhelpful overall feeling about ourselves that we feel worthless. Yeah. And guilt can have really powerful positive implications to where it can help us to improve our behaviors and right our wrongs and help other people. Whereas shame can be more, way more negative, broadly negative where it drives us to feel worthless and meaningless. Everything's our fault, ruminating anxiety and get into deep depressions. And so it's, it's important to learn that distinction distinction because Vecna himself really um, he personifies shame in the show mm-hmm. that he wants to remind you of everything you've done wrong and then make it feel like it's your fault. Kind of bring yeah. in guilt inappropriately through shame. So you kind of fall under his curse so he can take advantage of you and, and, and kill you and use your, use you for his purposes. Yeah. It's actually really interesting because you can view Vecna as like your inner critic when you do something bad. So for example, let's stay, let's say you stole something. Feeling guilty about it would be saying, oh man, I stole, stealing is bad. Mm-hmm. I feel bad that I took this. And shame is saying, I stole this. I am a bad person. Mm-hmm. So you know, judging yourself versus judging your actions. And in every situation with Chrissy, Fred, and Max, let's actually, let's go through it. So. Yeah. With Chrissy, now I want to be careful here because I don't want to say that whenever you feel shame through like PTSD, you can just, oh, change your mindset to guilt yeah, or type of thing, you know? I'm not saying that. I just, let's, let's just kind of have an open conversation about more yeah. of like how it would look if they felt guilt, felt guilty about mm-hmm. what happened instead of if they felt shame. Now I know that you don't have a lot of control over that sometimes. And yeah. that's a part of it. But it is important to note the harmful effects of shame and how you can really start to look at it in a light of guilt. Yeah. And it can you can find things that you could realistically like things you could have done better, like and maybe make some positive change. But like starting with Chrissy, if I'm remembering correctly, she remembered hearing words and like flashbacks of things that her mother had told her about being a failure and I think maybe being too fat, things like that, that was obviously mm-hmm. alluding to the fact that she had an eating disorder because of the way her mom treated her. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Vecna impersonate, not impersonates, <laughs> personifies shame, then Chrissy is obviously, or I guess we could perceive that she's feeling that it's her fault that she is this way and that it's her fault that she's a failure and that her as a person is worthless because her mother perceives her as worthless and as fat and as, um, 
I guess, a failure and a disappointment in her eyes. Mm-hmm. And so she, mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier, she copes with that in different ways. She developed an eating disorder. She um, obviously blames herself for her family discord and family problems. And uh, again, yeah, you could turn that into pinpointing, like, is there guilt in this shame? Like, are there things that I realistically, really, realistically could do better? And I think anyone can do that. But what's most important is to get over the shame. Not get over it. That's a that's not the right word. I'd say go through it. Go through it. Or Cope with accept it. Accept it. There we go. Accept the shame for what it is. And Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to Oh, this is tricky. You don't have to believe it to accept it. Yeah, you don't have to believe it. Just like acceptance and commitment therapy. You acknowledge it. I guess that's mm-hmm. a good way to put it. Acknowledge its existence. Yep. Acknowledge the existence of shame. It's there, and now turn towards your values and start to work towards your values. Focus on what's most helpful and focus mm-hmm. on what's most important. And that could be pinpointing guilt and figuring out what you can do better to improve your life. Yeah. Like what's some things that I have done wrong or I'm doing wrong that could I improve? But it could also take the form of focusing on some self-compassion mm-hmm. and some some positive actions in your life that you could take that would turn towards your values more and would bring in feelings of more meaningful meaningfulness. I don't know if that's a word or not, but bringing more feelings Sounds of meaningfulness, great. bringing more feelings of, of fulfillment through turning to your values rather than living towards these socially compliant or familiar, familial compliant goals <laughs> that are shoved on you mm-hmm. to help you get over those shameful feelings that come from a monster with no nose. And I personally feel like kind of looks like the Grinch and I, that's a whole conversation, but I, um, yeah, when you yeah. tell me that I can't unsee it, to it's be honest, so funny. I can't, it's, so, it's bad. <laughs> just look at his stomach. It's like kind of a pot belly kind of thing. It looks, it looks like the Grinch. Um, yeah, I don't know what they were thinking when they're doing that. Like, dude, the, make him like the CG isn't amazing. Like not the CG, but the, um, the makeup isn't super amazing on, um, on old Vecna. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's whole, better than CGI. It's, it, I mean, that it's all practical. That's super impressive. He's also CGI too, but I mean, they did a lot of makeup for sure. Yeah, I think when he's just like walking around, I think it's just makeup straight. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's like his, and they do zoom ups on his face. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I think that's a good way to think about it though. It's kind of what, sh- if you want to like personify shame in your life, I feel like how you want to see it, just picture Vecna that it's not some, it's not some helpful part of you that wants maybe, to help. It's a, it's a demon from another dimension. Maybe not a scary one. Yeah, maybe if you're me anyway. You know, you don't <laughs> I'll, want to be I'll pic- picture the Grinch instead. Yeah, picture there we go. Yeah, picture the Grinch as shame. Kind of a silly character that is just bitter and wants you to feel bad just like him. Yeah. You know, that's what shame yeah. is. If like if you if you want to personify it and like put a face to it, all shame wants to do is make you feel bad and, and worthless. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's like again, it's kind of the inner critic that wants to improve and it's trying to do its best to help you. But it's just this really silly character that is thinking it's helping, but it's not. Yeah. And really is making things so much worse. Yeah, but. I have I have several thoughts, and I don't know if I'm going to talk about all of them. Mm-hmm. But to rewind a little bit, when Austin talked about compassion, uh, we're not going to talk really much about compassion-focused therapy, but that is a modality that Austin and I recently learned about. Hashtag yeah. the virtual couch, Tony Overbay. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> and I'm definitely going to look more into it. Austin yeah. and I both. It sounds just right up our alley. But compassion inside of shame is very important 
because a lot of the time is when you're in that moment, right? When you're, you see Vecna, you're right there. You're in the upside down or you're face to face with your shame. You can feel like, like garbage, straight Mm -hmm. trash, like a trash human being, like you're a failure. And you know, why even be on this planet? If you're such a failure, maybe I should just give in to Vecna. Like, yeah. it's probably better off that I just kind of let him do what he's going to do to me. You know, yeah. like let and shame I'll... take over. Yep. And I mean, really though, because with Vecna, if you just let him do his thing, you die. And so, that could be related to suicide. We're not going to go there. Mm-hmm. But that's just a way. You know, another thought there. But I guess, and you could even say that you die emotionally when you just give in to your shame. Like you let right. all the parts that are that are meaningful and a part of you that are positive, you just allow them to die when you listen to the shame too much, when you give in to the shame, when you are fused to the mm-hmm. shame. I guess that's an mm-hmm. acceptance and commitment therapy word. But it's important to, to look at that because um, they kind of are. They're just fused to these feelings of shame that Vecna is... I mean, they literally fuse with Vecna. Yeah. Like when I mean, he kills them, he's like fused to their head with his... Tentacles? Claw <laughs> yeah. thing. Like in, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just grabs their face and starts... <laughs> We're grabbing our head and stuff. You can't see it. But... <laughs> the camera would be important right now. Um, yeah, like he literally gets... It's a good good thing to point out that when people get to that point where they're so deep into their ruminations and mm-hmm. their depression that comes with mm-hmm. shame, it, they're literally fused to the, to the face <laughs> with their yeah. shame. And I mean, I've been there. I really have. There's things that I feel shame over that... Um, I, I really related to these these things that have happened to these characters in the show. Like, I've never been in an accident that's killed someone, but I have my own experiences where I feel shame over or mm-hmm. have felt shame in the past over. Yeah. And it feels like you're getting possessed by this demon. And it can almost feel uncontrollable, but um, that's why I also really love the music thing aspect of it, that mm-hmm. you can get out of it by turning to things that you care about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I kind of brought that out of nowhere, but... Um, no, it's, great. It's, it's a real it's a real feeling of of impending doom when you're really fused to your shame like that yeah and so keeping the perspective of having compassion on yourself it doesn't mean getting rid of these feelings right we've talked about this a lot it doesn't mean getting rid of them it just means accept accepting them being in it right and we use things like mindfulness to anchor ourselves in the storm and to be in the moment and have compassion with yourself. That is such, it's such a powerful skill, compassion. And that's exactly what it is. It's a skill. It's something that you can learn and it takes time to have compassion on yourself, especially if you've dealt with things like PTSD and shame for years. It's even you know that much harder to get out of that cycle and start to have compassion on yourself. But this is gonna be really important in your healing is having compassion with yourself. Yeah. And and shame in and of itself, when it becomes so I guess broadly common in your life that like it can become like it can become a coping mechanism that you find um almost self worth in or you find mm-hmm. ways to um describe feelings of worthlessness with your shame because and this is this is something that I'm not gonna steal from Tony Overbay. This is all him. I got it from him from the episode that we were alluding to earlier. He talks about that a lot of people come from childhood with this, with childhood shame because they don't get attention from their, well, they get perceived inattention from their parents Mm -hmm. and they feel like that they 
as they grow up out of their toddler years where they get less attention from their parents, they think, well, I'm not good enough. There's reasons that like the reason my parents aren't paying enough attention to me because I'm not good enough. And they use that shame that comes from that, I guess that cognitive distortion that you're not good enough mm-hmm. for your parents. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're not giving you the attention that becomes your coping mechanism. That becomes the explanation as to why you didn't get this or that thing. Yeah. And it can become the, I guess the neural pathway, the, um, the freeway through, through your thoughts. That's going to be the first thing you think of when something goes wrong. It's going to become your coping mechanism when things don't go your way. Oh, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. And that could be your way of self-soothing. Yeah. Is your shame. And so shame can just be a common thing in your life. It's not just like, I feel shame over, like if you're Fred, he feels shame over the car crash. Um, but it could get to a point in your life where that's just how you deal with everything. Mm-hmm. It's a super unhealthy way to deal. Some people drink alcohol. Some people shame themselves to to cope with situations because in a way it makes them feel better because they can find a boogeyman. They're their own boogeyman. Right. You know, right. that's how they feel better. Well, like this went wrong because of me. At least I know why it went wrong. It's because of me, even though it's not true. Yeah. So hopefully that ramble makes sense. But um, I guess the basic idea is that shame can become a an everyday part of your life with everything, with every bad thing that happens to you, everything that goes wrong. And so we have to be very careful and focus on compassion so we don't turn it into our primary coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. It can be really detrimental to your health, mental yeah. health. Yeah. Now here's another ramble. What's interesting is there's another modality, if you want to call it, or theory called internal family systems. And this is where it's a lot like processing. If you go back to episode, man, what is it? Nine, four? I don't know. The episode that my wife is on, she talks about processing. And in processing, you go back to different moments in your life, usually when you're a kid, and essentially you talk to that version of yourself. Now, internal family systems, you bring out these emotions like shame, guilt, fear, you bring them out and you talk to them in your higher self. Because we all have a self, right? Like we've talked about with mindfulness. You are the entire lake. The higher self is at the bottom of this lake where nothing can disturb it. It's always calm. It's always uh, clear thinking, level-headed. So you talk to these emotions as yourself, as your high self. Now, interesting concept. That's, you know, This is going to be for another episode for sure. (laughs) But to show where I'm going with that is shame is the brain's way of making sense of things Mm -hmm. when you don't know what happened, especially with traumatic events, because usually your brain's like, what just happened? That's how it copes. Yeah. Yeah. Like when Fred, for example, got in a car crash and people were dead, he killed people. The brain, in order to make sense of what just happened, it turns it on himself and uses shame to make sense of it, to say, oh, this is your fault. You're a bad person. Now, you can look at it as a bad part of the brain or like a, I mean, definitely unhelpful, but I think it's interesting that this, that part of the brain was made to protect you and to make sense of things, to help you learn and to just make sense of your world. And, you know, whether that's helpful or unhelpful doesn't really matter. Just to know that 
the brain's trying to keep you alive, really, with everything it does. At its core, it wants you to stay alive, right? Because you die, it dies. So it's using these things like shame to help you make sense of the situation to maybe, I don't know, maybe it thinks you, you'll live longer because of it. Just a thought. No, I love that, yeah. Um, no more thoughts to add, but I have another ramble here if you're ready. Let's ramble Let's on. Go, go, we'll go ramble, back, ramble on, the ramble between people. Let's um, get ready to ramble. <laughs> <laughs> ramble. Um, this is kind of something that you, I don't know if you texted it to me or if it was in the text that you sent me earlier, but kind of how when you hide shame for too long, it becomes like it, it grows. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you alluded that into your text earlier as we were getting ready for this episode today. Um, you know, you see that in the episode, like the episodes of season four that as they try to hide it or they try to avoid it mm-hmm. or they hide it from their friends and their family members, Max hides it from her friends. Yeah. She hides it from her counselor. She hides it from, um, her mom. Chrissy hides it from everybody and she tries to suppress it. She, like, the way, yeah. did she hide it from her mom? Cause she never saw her mom. That was Vecna. That's true. That's a good point. I guess we really Deep don't know thought. about that. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, she's either she's trying to hide it from herself at least the feelings yeah, she's, yeah the feelings of Vecna the shame that come from Vecna and probably the the shame that she feels over her eating disorder right she's trying to suppress it through um through drugs and um I can't remember. Fred he doesn't we don't see much of him just because it's so quick you know yeah. but um he obviously has some unresolved drama like otherwise why would this be happening and he uh, he doesn't say anything to Nancy when he when she asked, like, what's going on? Fred, like, why are you acting weird? He just kind of, yeah. he pretends that it's not happening. Right. And how often do we do that when we're ruminating, when we're in our in our own heads through ruminations over shame, when the critic is going off at, going off on us, or when we're just stuck in, stuck, <laughs> when we're stuck in these <laughs> negative feedback loops of shame and, and depression. Um, we make it worse on ourselves when we hide it or when we avoid it or when we try to suppress it. That's kind of the whole theory behind acceptance and commitment therapy. When we try to struggle with it or when we obey it, it gets worse mm-hmm. because it, the monster that we're dealing with, Vecna, gets stronger the more that we struggle with him. That's kind of the way that I perceive the show. Yeah. The more you try to fight him, the more the stronger he gets because he kind of thrives off of, first of all, your shame. But second of all, he thrives over you trying to run from it, you trying to hide from it. Mm-hmm. And what's different about Max specifically is that she doesn't run from her fears. She turns towards her values. Like Mm -hmm. if music represents and symbolizes her values, which I feel that it does in my own mind, she's not running away from it the way that like Chrissy was running through her house and like just trying to avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Um, Max just kind of like acknowledged that you're right in front of me. You're Vecna. I'm going to rip off your little neck thing there. <laughs> and I'm just going to run towards the music to a really good song right. that I, I added to my playlist this week. I like that song a lot. Um, running up that hill, make a deal with God. <laughs> like she's just running towards the the portal. Yeah. Um, it just shows mm. that um, the, the proper handling of your feelings is going to make all the difference. Yeah. If you can, if you're going to run from it, if you're going to suppress it, if you're going to numb yourself with drugs or food or shopping or gambling mm-hmm. or sex, whatever it is, it's going to get it all worse because you're just going to put it under the rug and it's going to rot. Yeah. And Great point. if you can acknowledge it the way that Max does in that scene at the graveyard and turn towards something that matters toward matters to you, that's going to be the way that ultimately 
you can overcome it in a meaningful way rather than like an effective way. Because mm-hmm. you can overcome it in an effective way. I think medicine is a really good way to overcome things effectively. But meaningful and long-term like actual healing rather than feeling better is going to be turning towards your values and yeah. appropriately talking about it with someone who you care about and that you know cares about you. Yeah. I love that. That's my ramble. <laughs> yeah. Great ramble. Let me continue the ramble. Let's do it. So rewind it in Max's scene when she just you know, got done with Billy and she's running away mm-hmm. from Vecna. She sees the red like mist start to come up, you know, and like it's all dark and then she turns and it's all red. Yeah. And she gets curious. She's like, hmm. What's that? Like, okay, what's that? I'm going to go towards it. And she's literally getting like tortured by Vecna like, in this yeah. moment. So, she's yeah. running away from Vecna and she yeah. sees this red, even scarier looking mist and yeah. she gets curious. And I think that's, that's huge right there. That's a turning point where, I mean, curiosity is such a great tool to overcome strong emotions and things like shame is you don't run from them because mm-hmm. we know what happens. Watch Stranger Things. You know what happens when you run from shame, Vecna? <laughs> yeah. Um, it just gets worse. But if you take an approach like Max, she was in it, man. Like she mm-hmm. was face-to-face with Vecna. She was just curious as she was fully trying to navigate present. and get yeah. out. Yeah, she was fully present. And she's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go towards this red scary mist. And she does. And, you know, whether that was a good decision or not, could she have gotten out of the Upside Down without that? I don't know. But her curiosity ended up getting her out of it regardless. So that's my continued ramble. No, I love that. It kind of it kind of builds even more to what I'm thinking even right now that um, especially if you have a value of, I think, I don't know if curiosity is a value, if like Russ Harris would call it a value. I definitely would. I would say I have a value of curiosity where I like yeah. to engage in learning new things and just absolutely like if i'm bored or feeling down i'll i'll randomly google articles of just random stuff or i'll look up youtube videos how many of those are star wars a lot of them are star wars (laughs) a lot of them are star wars and um Mm. a lot of them are also random stuff like i googled um how does that was on youtube i was like how does uh what's the mechanism mechanism of action of um (laughs) of things for like bipolar medication I, did, I wanted to know how it worked because like I know that like medication is typically the best way to treat bipolar. I was like, but what is that medication doing? Right. Like, what is that even yeah. doing? So I watched this YouTube video um, of how it works and what it does to the neurotransmitters and what it binds to and what the pills are made of, all that stuff. And I'm never going to need to know that necessarily. I don't want to be a mm-hmm. psychiatrist. I'm never going to prescribe medication to someone, but I just wanted to know. And so I did it and I, I felt better afterwards because I turned toward my values of curiosity. Yeah. And I think that's another way that Max is turning towards her values is mm-hmm. she's just, instead of being enveloped by the moment of fear and letting fear take over, she's like, well, I can't, there's not much I can do anyways. Let's just, let's run to the mist. Let's fight. It's, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's explore yeah, this. Like, and I love what Russ Harris says when it comes to um, engaging with negative emotions. He says, Engage with it as though you're a child with peak curiosity. Like, yeah. view your anxiety, view your fears and your emotions like you're a child who's never experienced this thing before. Like a child yeah. who's never been on, like you're a toddler who's never seen a, um, like a like a pumpkin before. Like if it's your first Halloween, you've never seen a pumpkin. Like, what is this thing? Like, why it's round and orange? Like, <laughs> engage with your negative emotions like a toddler seeing something for the first time. With yeah. childlike curiosity, that's what he calls yeah. it. 
because you're going to start to notice notice things about it more that you haven't noticed before. And so if you engage with your shame in a healthy way and just like, what is this saying to me? Like, what what's the message in this? Yeah. Engage with it in a childlike curiosity. Like, what is this thing that I'm feeling? I felt it a hundred times, but what really is this? You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I'm curious about this. Where is this coming from? Do I have any thoughts going through my head or words that someone has said to me as I'm feeling these feelings of shame? Like, just turning towards that curiosity in a way. I think that could be such a beneficial way to open up the floodgates of knowledge of what truly is going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why curiosity is such a big role in that scene because it like she sees Vecna's like his crib. I don't know, like his, <laughs> his home. Like, I don't know where he resides. I don't know. MTV like crib. His little like trophy room because that's where the bodies are. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's also like I think is going to be integral to volume two. I think her seeing that is going to be huge in the way that they defeat him. Right. And, I mean, because she was there in the house, mm-hmm. they found the house. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I forgot about that. And it's like episode six yeah. or five, something like that. So her engaging properly with this negative emotion, she was able to push things along in a positive way. And I think that could be the, one of the main messages that we're trying to send today is that when you engage properly with negative emotions, rather than letting them rule you, and just mm-hmm. listening to it wholeheartedly, like we've said, getting fused to it, allowing it to just grab your face and do like take advantage of you in a way. Yeah. Like how Vecna does. Yeah. Um, that's when things go wrong. But if you can engage with it in a childlike way, like childlike curiosity way, that's when things are going to be beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. And you can start to, I don't know, take control of the situation better rather than letting it control you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean... I guess to wrap up the episode, that's really going to be one of the best ways to get through shame is to, I guess the two C's, you need to have compassion and be curious. <laughs> and as you have compassion on yourself, you can explore shame more freely, mm-hmm. you know, because you are compassionate with yourself and you know that, okay, this is okay. I'm not a bad person, but I'm feeling this way. I feel shame why and that's when you can start going to the red mist and approach vecna and just take him out yeah absolutely and we always like leave in like little exercises and things that i'm thinking of one right now and this isn't my own let's do it um it comes from the happiness trap book um we've talked about how obsessed we are with that russ harris material but he has a i think he has a chapter on shame and guilt i'll have to go oh, back cool. but i remember an exercise it's a mindfulness exercise that he does and he says to connect with a feeling of shame Choose a feeling like something that you regret. You have some shame over. That's not like traumatic. Like let's uh, don't connect with the feeling of you losing a loved one. Just maybe think of something small. Like maybe you, um, I don't know, stole something from someone, and or like or you had a situation like growing up, and you choose something a little bit less traumatic that has some shame tied to it, mm. and find a quiet place where you can be alone and where it's safe, and for a moment or two relive it allow yourself to connect with it but with that childlike innocence that childlike curiosity and be with it for a minute and figure out what it really is you know Mm -hmm. explore it and when you're done take a few deep breaths and then turn towards your values yeah to re as to reground yourself maybe do one of those mindfulness exercises we talked about before so think of a less traumatic shame-based event that's 
that you maybe have struggled with, connect to it with childlike curiosity. Do some deep breathing after connecting with it. And after that, turn towards your values and reground yourself, re-anchor yourself back to the moment. And then use that information that you've learned from that exercise to guide your further in- interactions with shame or maybe with that shame as it comes in the future. Mm-hmm. So not a super helpful exercise, but it could be a way for you to just connect with your yeah your shame going forward in, in a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great exercise. And one thing to know is when you do, if you think, you know, you say to yourself, how do I explore my feelings or explore this memory? You first, what's really helpful is to just, as you start to relive it, as you start to think about it, pay attention to how you feel, okay, and where you're feeling that. And that's how you start to really explore that emotion, explore that, those feelings is where, like, and you could say it out loud, say, I'm feeling this in my chest, or I'm feeling this in my head, or wherever you feel it, and try and follow it, see where it goes, pay attention to the thoughts that come to your mind, and how that reacts to your body. And that's simply exploring your thoughts and exploring your memories. Yeah, and it could be a way, really good way to to connect with the part of you that maybe has been repressed or suppressed, whatever Freudian term you want to use. <laughs> but engage with it in a healthy way and understand it better. Yeah. And of course, if you do have you know really bad PTSD or shame, you can go see a licensed therapist and they'll have the tools that you need to to properly cope with it and to go through it and to process it. And they'll be able to guide you through those traumatic memories that we said not to go through on your own because yeah. it can be really dangerous to go through those traumatic experiences and relive them by yourself. So if you are if you really want to engage in those traumatic experiences and you want to not challenge them, but if you want to experience them and process them properly, please do it with a licensed therapist or a, yeah. a licensed psychologist because um that can be hard and very dangerous to do by yourself. So there's so many resources online. Just Google search therapist near me and um, find one that's in your insurance network or just go to betterhelp.com. Not a sponsor. Maybe one day will be, but um, you can talk to someone. I think it's within 48 hours. I think that's their advertisement. You can have a, you can text a licensed therapist within 48 hours. So it's cool. If you want to um, engage Vecna <laughs> in a, in an appropriate way, like really traumatic memories the what the way that Vecna does do it with a therapist. That's our recommendation yeah. and our, I'm almost my plead. Please don't do that by yourself because that's hard. Yeah, no one deserves it to is. do that by themselves. So see a therapist for a couple of times. Having a therapist would be like having a guide in the upside down. If you mm-hmm. were Max, having Fred, having L with you basically. Chrissy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And telling you what to do to get over it yeah. or to get through it and to how to defeat Vecna. It's just yeah. having a guy there or a woman telling you what to do. Yeah, someone who's experienced, to get through who, who knows what the upside down is, and like do this, do that, okay. And Don't do just, this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, we hoped you liked this episode. I actually had a lot of fun. Me too. I hope hopefully you yeah. guys did too, because we enjoyed making these types of episodes, and there's gonna be a lot more. Yeah. Yep. It's great. So just, I mean, this is just to help you be more aware that things that you can learn in therapy, things like this, like in Stranger Things, there's there's a lot to know there, mm-hmm. a lot to learn, and it can really benefit you if you know what to look for so we hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you Thursday see you guys what about what about therapy what about what about therapy what about what about therapy yeah what about what about therapy what about what about therapy what about what about
about therapy, yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy, yeah.